Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Good morning, good evening, folks. It's the one and only V, the Grill Economist, and we have with us the man of the hour, the one and only Tim Kirby's here. Tim, what's up, buddy? How are you? Not too much. Uh, to be honest, get, getting over being sick, getting over being sick, but uh, otherwise, I want to come in here looking fresh and tight, get the beard you know, trimmed, That's hair good. put in order, especially because it's all falling out anyways, uh, but <laughs> unfortunately, I was feeling pretty terrible the last two days, so uh, I kind of um, let myself go here to uh, recover, you know. Jeez, man, talking about getting over being sick. I mean, uh, there is a there is a sickness that is going on. It's a type of pandemonium that is more psychological in nature that has gripped must, much of the West. Mm-hmm. But that it seems like it could be priming for such a bigger, for, for probably a much bigger, more major event. Tim. Oh yeah, well, absolutely. Well, I can tell you one thing: my mental health is in order. Uh, the uh, physical health, uh, not so much. Got to get back on the football field. And that's probably what made me sick. You know, it's kind of frustrating. Uh, I've been really uh, actually pretty much living a life of pure isolation except for football. Someone must have spit right. on me when we were blocking each other or something. So, uh, but anyways, I see some very positive comments about me under the window here, which is uh, very <laughs> nice to see. But anyways, I want to come back and uh, talk to you because a lot's actually going on in Russia since we last spoke. Uh, oh my definitely god! Definitely yeah. enough to fill up a podcast. Uh, so. A lot of new developments, a lot of new insanity. Um, and uh, speaking of uh, sort of getting sick, I want to uh, mention before I forget that uh, on my channel there, it's called Tim Kirby Rush. You can find it on YouTube. You can find it on, uh, well, that's a, that's my travel channel. So Rush Tips, Tricks, and Travel. But Tim, yeah, that one there on YouTube for now. It's also on BitChute and uh, Rumble. Uh, we have a video about uh, Expose, which is Washington's Biolab Network. Um, let me give you a little background here. Like one guy I've known for a couple of years, he's sort of like friends of friends. He was like, uh, you know, you're kind of doing a channel now. And um, did, did you know that there's a non-secret biolab network in the Ukraine? Oh, yeah. It's like, I was like, well, what do you, well first of all, I was like, wait, 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 stop. What do you mean by non-secret? Um, and so you after this, uh, people can go and take a watch. But essentially what he means is that really nothing, there's no, there's no secret to any of this. The real sort of masking factor uh, is um, that there's something like 12 or 13 of these um, biological laboratories that are from the Soviet Union, right? So they're from the Soviet Union. And um, during the uh, 1990s, there was a uh, plan to uh, sort of send all the biological agents, nuclear missiles, and all the bad stuff from the Soviet Union away from especially the Ukraine and Kazakhstan. That's where Mm -hmm. a lot of that was. And essentially the deal with the collapse of the Soviet Union was that Russia would inherit all the pluses and minuses of the Soviet legacy, right? But as part of that, the Department of Defense kind of is propping up these old Soviet labs to do biological work. And may I remind you that Ukraine is an extremely super ultra poor country, and now the United States is running their biological laboratories, much like in a certain 
Chinese province called Wuhan. Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah. So, anyways, uh, it's a little, uh, it's a little bit scary, uh, a little bit scary. So I recommend everyone go take a watch, uh, watch of that. I don't want to spoil it, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it, it's not good, and it certainly uh, lends a little bit of um, uh, not circumstantial evidence, anecdotal evidence that bat soup is probably not the reason for this big problem we're having. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, <laughs> exactly right. When you when you look at the Wuhan uh, virology lab and. You know, people associate the name Wuhan and China and all this other stuff, but people don't yeah. realize it was Western pharmaceutical interests that have set up the, that laboratory. Uh, it was a German uh, uh, pharmaceutical uh, technology firm that set up the lab. It was yeah. uh, originally owned outright by a Glasgow Smith Klein subsidiary named TFK, uh, TFKS, which has been in China for the last 154 years, even wow. during the opium trade. In China, oh, they've been it goes there. Back to that it goes wow. back all the way to that, and uh, so they've been there for a while, and that's where this whole entire thing comes from. And people don't realize Glasgow Smith Klein is the parent company, is the major holding company of Pfizer. Okay, so uh, this this all plays uh, well, and, and if you look, look at the the fact that these bioweapons labs, typically smart countries, what they do is you know mm -hmm. they don't want to mess up their population. They have these bioweapons labs. Out in the middle of nowhere, near, near not near any sort of uh, population center whatsoever. But in the United yeah. States, we don't believe doing that. When you look at no. the 29 bioweapons labs scattered throughout the world, all of which coincidentally happen to be in close proximity to Russia as well as China, you know, these things are not placed in the most safest of places. They're not run in the most safest of means and, and specifically designed to have accidents uh, leak out. And which is what we're witnessing and going through this entire thing. It's insanity. Well, yeah, I mean, you would think is uh, first off, you'd think if um, the real mission um, again, because the stated mission from the Department of Defense about this thing in Ukraine is that is essentially it's to go in there and sort of control the process. So that way, the laboratories don't do anything bad. That's like the stated logic of it. Well, wouldn't one of the simplest things be to just shut them down? Exactly. Like, especially in like 1991, when everything in the Soviet Union was completely collapsed, just go in there and make sure that everything is completely sterilized, destroyed, close it down. Because, I mean, has the U.S. government ever been too shameful about closing down a business or the prosperity of other countries? Just close it down. Or uh, somehow move it again somewhere, you know, move it to uh, the middle of nowhere in Alaska or the deserts of like, you know. Uh, Nevada or something, you know, but uh, no, we're going to have stuff in like Kiev and Odessa and it's going to be under foreign control, which is just absolutely baffling. So it is. Uh, yeah, the law, it's it's a logic that's not meant to be understood, but good for you for finding that article that supports uh, my work there. So but uh, I should cool. say it should be my buddy's work because. Uh, one thing too is when, cause a lot of people approach me with some sort of like, you know, uh, I've got this, I found out about this, this revelation. There's this, you know, some sort of secret <laughs> technique, secret, this secret, that, and it always turns out to be some load of garbage. Yeah. So I told him, I was like, look, man, show me the documentation that this is a real thing. And the department of defense is funding this and I'll make a video about it. And he sent it to me and I was like, oh no, now I have to make a video. Yeah. <laughs> so you, 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 yeah. you know, what's also funny is that when you look at the situation here, um, when you look at like the current situation with what's uh, happening in the in the globe with this with the event, the global event, right? That mm -hmm. has occurred since 2020. It's funny that in most Americans' memories, that you know, we heard murmurings. Most Americans heard murmurings of this uh, event in January, mid-January, going into February, 
in Wuhan, China. And then in March, everybody remembers the world went, went into lockdown. Mm-hmm. But what people often forget is the tens of dozens of nursing home deaths that occurred immediately in nursing homes surrounding and or close to Fort Detrick Bioweapons Lab in Fort Detrick in Maryland, huh. where these uh, uh, all of a sudden there was, I think, 50, 40 or 50 nursing home patients died in August of uh, 2019. Okay, in August of 2019. And this is the reason why in six different states we found the viral um, uh, the viral proteins and the trace proteins and the vir- and virus material in the sewage systems of six different states going back to August, going back to November, and going back to December before the event even actually happened in Wuhan, China. So this whole entire thing, I mean, anybody spends, you can't go mm. looking into bioweapons and Wuhan and this and the other without hitting that CIA door every single time, without hitting the U.S. intelligence door every single time. And Uncle Schmuck's fingerprints are all over it mm-hmm. because he, he's a Malthusian murderer. That's what he is. He's a Malthusian murderer. Now, Uncle Schmuck, that's who specifically? Because there's a Uncle few Schmuck people. Uncle Schmuck is Uncle Sam. He used to be Uncle oh, Sam, now he's Sam. Uncle Schmuck. Okay. I, I was kind of thinking that was it. But then oh. again, uh, when you get into people who are like Malthusianists, oh boy, that's actually kind of kind of a lot of people. That could be uh, Bill Gates. Oh, yeah. uh, definitely has that Another sort of Malthusian uh, old look. Or I don't know, but he's not directly in the government. But then again, when you're that rich, you might as well be. Might so uh, I was thinking maybe it might have been a hint uh, to someone else. But yeah, it's um, it's really nuts. And um, the thing is, uh, V, that's um, uh, it's it is maybe the most frustrating is on a couple levels is the people who go into the CIA. I, I'm not, I, you know, I haven't had the chance to really talk to that many people who've been in sort of like an intelligence thing. In fact, pretty much no one. Yeah. But you, usually, when you talk to like army guys, the reason they go in the army is something about you know serve my country, or they want to get some sort of like you know college degree or something. So they're either in it for themselves. Or they're in it for the country or, or, or whatever. And you would think that the, the the secret services would sort of match. But these guys they, they that are following these orders, it's unbelievable the stuff that they'll follow. It's unbelievable the stuff that they'll do yeah. just because it's written on a piece of paper. You know what I mean? Exactly. Oh, real quick. Uh, uh, John Car- uh, John Michael Karma made a, made a point in the live chat. Yeah, that yeah. vaping syndrome. Remember back in, like, uh, in August, all of a sudden – People were winding up in hospitals, and, and, and the media said, oh, it's a vaping disease. Oh, the vapes. Do you remember oh, that? Oh, that's right. Uh-huh. Oh, it's a new yeah. lung infection. It's, it's called, you know, people are dying from bronchitis, and it's caused by vaping. And that's where mm-hmm. he got buried. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and uh, – but uh, – yeah, oh, it's a Russia claims threat of U.S. biology. Several former so yeah yeah yep. yeah that's uh <laughs> that is ex- exactly what the what is going on and that sort of ties into uh, one of the factors as to why people said well why did why didn't Putin just go into Ukraine why didn't he just take it back in uh, 2014 and perhaps uh, maybe because there's a le- a minefield there there is a chemical biological minefield of sorts uh, so that's uh, one kind of new theory that's come up in uh, recent years as to why there's this sort of stalemate at the border when russia really could have just sort of taken back what it wanted from the ukraine in 2014 so yeah um, um unbelievable 
So, yeah. I mean, on top of all the uh, bioweapons labs that are peppering the borders of China and Russia, we have the situation right now that is heating up between Poland and Belarus. What's going on over there? Because NATO is using the Poles as, uh, again, useful idiots and cannon fodder. I guess the I, I, I guess the the you know Washington woke up and they realized that they can't fight Russia down to the last Ukrainian. Now it's the Poles' turn. Tag you're it. We're gonna mm-hmm. put some nuclear. And now they're talking about putting nuclear, you know, uh, medium and short range nuclear uh, missiles in Europe, uh, moving it into Poland, moving it into Ukraine. And now we have the situation where you have migrants uh, that are being sh- uh, shuttled all the way up to the Polish border via Belarus. What's the situation on the ground over there, Tim? What are your sources telling you? What is your take well, on it? Now, first, let me go back a little bit to your point sure. about um, the Ukraine and, and, and Washington's expectations. Because one thing, again, about the people who are uh, surprisingly in, in power in Washington, when they see a country, if a country is named, I don't know, Austria, Fiji, the Philippines, something concrete, they expect everyone there to be Austrian, uh, Fijian, Philippian, right? Yeah. A Filipino, excuse me. Uh, and so when they uh, got a hold of um, uh, their sort of hands uh, on the Ukraine uh, after the uh, whole Maidan thing, I think that they were really sure that they could ramp up the you know Kiev to go after Russia and start this sort of like quagmire Afghanistan right. Vietnam kind of war with Russia. And although there are plenty of uh, hate-filled people there, there's really nothing that unites the people on the territory of what we call today's Ukraine. And that's part of the reason it's in the, the terrible situation it is. They, they at like the absolute heights of the popularity of any particular president they've any, ever had, I think it was somewhere around 30. They've never, ever been able to create any form of unity on that territory. And that's why this is happening. And this is also, again, why the reason where um, uh, things there are very stagnant because Ukraine won't do what Washington wants it to do, not out of some sort of um, moral superiority, but because everyone there is at everyone else's throat. So there's, there's that first kind of point. And once again, the, the brilliant luminaries of Washington politics, who all they do is forecast into a vacuum, they have never taken into account that Ukrainians will have their own interests. And you're talking about Ukraine where you know it, it, it is literally falling in, apart into various provinces and and, uh, and 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 groups, and Washington yeah. thinks that they're going to go follow their edict and march directly into hell. They got another thing coming to them, man. It's it, it's it's stupid. It's everything that DC does is, is absolutely retarded at this point, Tim. Well, it's a very bureaucratic way of looking at things. It's looking at things like, okay, this human being has this passport. This yep. passport says Ukraine, so they must be Ukrainian and serve Ukraine, uh, and they should serve the blue and yellow flag where. Uh, loyalties are very divided. Uh, things are very confusing. Uh, before the uh, revolution, I was there six or seven times, actually. And um, you could really see that there was definitely a divide. Um, I can tell you one kind of weird story, which turned out to be a bit of a tragedy. So while I was in uh, the Ukraine, I sort of got offered to uh, go to some guy's uh, dacha uh, down by like uh, the river. So that'd be what the Dnieper, the river that goes through Kiev. I think that's it. Dnieper, Dnieper, I always forget. But anyways, uh, so we went down there, and um, uh, he uh, was uh, like a Ukrainian guy who had that very thick Ukrainian accent, but uh, Russian wife and kids, kids didn't speak Ukrainian, but he had this very weird flag uh, out in front of his house, very weird flag, red and black. And I kind of looked at it like, huh, I wonder why he has that flag. 
And only after the Maidan, I realized that that's the flag of like the um, ultra nationalists who essentially have a Ukrainian flag that's, uh, well, that be black on top, red on the bottom, instead of blue on top, yellow on the bottom. Maybe I'm doing that backwards yeah, yeah. in my head. But it was kind of that moment where you could see that this guy married a, a Russian speaking woman who doesn't speak Ukrainian, has kids, didn't teach them like really anything about this whole Ukrainianness garbage that they made up, uh, you know. Uh, during that sort of gap period when um, Russia lost the territorial control over the Ukraine uh, after World War One, uh, during that nonsense period, and yet he is putting out these ultra-nationalist symbols and probably actually supported the Maidan that would repress his own wife and children. So again, I just thought that was a very kind of interesting moment about the insanity <laughs> of people and our uh, crazy beliefs. So, but anyways, uh, he made really good uh, shish kebab. What can I tell you? But at least you got something and, out uh, of it. Who knows? Maybe his wife. Uh, if his wife left him over it, honey, if you're listening, uh, you can call me. She was quite the looker. Wow. <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, so going into um, the Polish force, I will thing. marry Ukrainian idiot. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, going to the whole Polish force thing. Uh, well, what's happening is that um, when they tried to also do basically a Maidan revolution in Minsk against Lukashenko, it yeah. really broke Lukashenko's balancing acts. He, just like all of the presidents of Ukraine, uh, just like Nazarbayev in Kazakhstan, um, well, Nazarbayev actually did get away with it for now, uh, but I think Kazakhstan's doomed to have to go to one way or the other. Essentially, a lot of these former Soviet leaders believe in the idea that politics is really this balancing act. And that you can, you know, balance between Russia and the West and maybe between China and sort of uh, create this sort of, um, I don't know, delicate uh, I, I, balancing yeah. act in order for a little country to survive. In fact, yeah. Nazarbayev even wrote an entire book about that concept. Uh, but uh, guess what? That doesn't work because Washington does not care. Because yeah. Lukashenko, to a large degree, really did a lot of Western butt kissing, really kind of kept uh, Belarus from uh, further integrating with Russia, all to sort of placate Washington, and they still tried to overthrow him. Yeah, they, they literally they try to do to him what, what they did to Erdogan. It's it, it's incredible. So then uh, a, a bit after that, so he sort of realized, oh man, balancing act is impossible given these circumstances. So he put sort of put all his chips down on uh, Russia. And before this whole Woods thing that we'll talk about, uh, one of the very first things that happened after that was he downed a flight uh, that uh, had some kind of, um, uh, you know, anti-government activist on there to sort of arrest him. The uh, reasoning oh, behind yeah, I downing, remember that. It's some some, yeah. some TikTok idiot. Some yeah, journalist yeah, yeah. or something like yeah. that. Well, yeah. journalist in quotes, whatever you want to Quote, call them. But quotes, regardless, exactly. the, the official reasons were something else, like there was a bomb threat. But we all know why he did it. Now, the question is, was that stupid? I would say no. I think he was thinking... Okay, now I need to just put this rift here. If I've already gone east, I'm going to go east all the way. Because remember, um, people think that just because there's a country that has a very strong central figure like Belarus with Lukashenko, that doesn't mean that everyone's going to go along with him. Uh, he's, his um, hold on power was in a very, very tentative moment where at any point some kind of pro-Western person could have rose up, shot him in the back of the head, uh, taken over the reins. So I think the first step was to do that uh, flight grounding to create a rift. Because what happened? What was the reaction to that? No one could fly to Belarus. Belarus is yeah. cut off from Europe. And then we get to the Polish border thing where it seems like Belarus is trying to sort of like terrorize the European Union again. It drives that wedge even further. 
You see what I mean? Mm. So that's really what's happening with this is I think it's an attempt by Lukashenko's sort of crew to make sure that there's now no way that some sort of pro-Western schmucks uh, can rise up and um, take things away from them. Uh, Because uh, in Moldova, this actually happened. Uh, There was a very, a very popular president, uh, Igor Dadon, or don't know that don it's uh, mm-hmm. um sounds kind of weird in english but anyways um uh, i actually got to met him i actually one he's one of the a few presidents hands i've actually a few presidents that i've shaken hands with oh, and wow. um he was sort of really popular but not popular enough and maybe he lost the last election and a pro-western person came in and really took away all the work he'd done to sort of bring their country back together get it more towards the uh working with Russia and Europe and all this other stuff. But basically I think he saw the writing on the wall that if there's a Maidan, he's dead. Or if he allows there to be a lot of contact with Europe, he's going to fall into the same fate as Dadon of becoming irrelevant and having his entire life's work basically be erased because of one election. Mm. There you go. (laughs) <laughs> so unreal uh, d- dark topic but the one thing to do is this dude is these migrants uh this is uh this is uh i yeah where are these migrants are they, are they from north africa middle east or somewhere supposedly else supposedly afghanistan Ooh, supposedly yeah, that, this is blowback uh, from afghanistan yeah. is what's happening there but the one thing dude i'll tell you is um uh, you know it's kind of my job to usually put the russia in a positive light but um a lot of people in those forests around Poland and Belarus uh, during World War II, especially, disappeared. And the thing is, if Poland doesn't let those people in, I don't think they're ever going to be seen again in Afghanistan. Mm. So this is a, so. In some ways, uh, we can kind of laugh about this, but um, I definitely think that uh, this is going to be ugly, no matter what happens. But ultimately, like I said, I think the whole point of it is a political stunt to. Uh, drive that wedge, drive that wedge even uh, further. And also, why Poland? Well, first off, there's the, ge- the geopolitical factor where yeah. Poland is the closest. But, you know, Russia could be doing this to the Baltic countries. Um, they could uh, uh, be doing it. Uh, Russia itself could be doing it to Poland. Um, there's a few There's a few options if you look at the way the borders line up. Finland, for example, it could be sure. uh, Russia could be doing it to Finland. But something about Poland, and I think it's because uh, it, Poland is this weird country where it is very obsessed with the idea of being part of the West, and yet what the West has turned into is repulsive to Poland. I know. It's so <laughs> funny, isn't it? It's like, it's like they're, they're still traditional. They're still very conservative in their family values and whatnot. They're very, they're very nationalistic, and all of a sudden, they, all right, we'll become part of the West. And they look over to the West, and it's a global homo on full yeah. frontal rampage. Now, there was this theory that after World War II, um, Stalin's sort of key advisor, uh, uh, Beria, or if I'm from Ohio, there's a place called Berea. Maybe it should yeah, be pronounced yeah, Berea in English. I don't know. But his uh, concept was that we don't need to divide Europe into East and West. We need. He actually sort of projected the idea that there needs to be some sort of like weird Central European Empire, like kind of like what the Nazis were dreaming of, but very weak. And um, I think that in some ways, these provocations that sort of put this like mirror up to Poland and uh, uh, to, to the Poles, to the Hungarians, uh, is almost uh, a way to, again, drive another wedge to maybe have a sort of central European Union that behaves by different rules and that could be gotten along with. Because ironically... Uh, if Russia can get along with anyone, it's going to be Poland and Hungary and the Czech Republic and uh, Slovakia. 
because uh, they're very um, similar mentally now, as of now, anyways. You know, hundred years ago, maybe things were different, but yeah, yeah, unreal, man, unreal. So dollars collapsing. Uh, the U.S. Ooh, baby. Gone, <laughs> <laughs> U.S. Damn. has gone uh, basket case. Now they're now they're telling the people that inflation's good for the working poor. And it's good for the middle class. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, Jamie, Jamie Dimon is writing articles on the Wall Street Journal saying the economy is going to boom next year, especially with $125 a barrel oil. It's going to be great. <laughs> for who? I mean, it's a coded message, but for who? <laughs> well, yeah, dude. It's it's kind of like there's a, a lot of this stuff is open interpretation. You know, like uh, uh, they're trying to say that, well, actually, there's about 10 million jobs that are just sitting there for people. Well, if they're just sitting there, why haven't people taken them if there's these amazing 10 million jobs, you know? Um, another thing is, is it true, uh, because you'd know better than I would, is it actually true that within the sort of COVID period, they've printed more U.S. dollars than in any period in U.S. history? Yes. Like, that printing press is going 24 hours a day going nuts. Yeah. It's, it, 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 I mean, the uh, the Fed chair, Jerome Powell, his name, his new name is Jerome Powell. That's it. Because the printing press is going brrr, like you would not believe. We've spent, we've printed more money into circulation within the last year than at any other point in all of the U.S. history combined. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. But now, then you tell me, because you're the financial guy. I could talk to you all day about Russia and geopolitics, but you're the financial guy. So tell me, then why hasn't there been this massive like impact? Why haven't we felt like a 1929 Holy cro holy cannolis, our oh, money's yeah. worth nothing moment. Oh, I'll tell you why, man. It, it's the US has enough financial gimmicks that the, they're they have enough electronic duct tape holding yeah. the system together that you'll never see the 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 maximum impact of inflation on consumer prices and on goods and services. And the reason for that is this. They're bolt hole every dollar that's done. And again, it used to be China was the biggest buyer at bond auctions, followed by Saudi Arabia. And now I'll tell you right now that there's nobody buying U.S. bonds. The biggest buyer of U.S. bonds, uh, U.S. Treasury notes, is, is the Federal Reserve itself. So basically we're borrowing from ourselves and we're lending to ourselves. It's the most insane thing in the world. Third, all these dumped bonds are being brought up by or are being purchased. And there's proof of this. Yeah, there, there, there's actually bond traders that actually spent the time to trace, trace and hunt this down. They're actually – you have the Emergency Stabilization Fund, the ESF, also known as the Plunge Protection Team. They are coming on board, and they are buying up every single one of these dollars that are dropped into circulation and taking them out of circulation and or bolt-holding them in two places. One of the places is Euroclear. And mm -hmm. Euroclear is a major bond swap facility that was set up in 1968 by J.P. Morgan but for the intent and purpose and design of eventually creating the European Union. In fact, it was Euroclear that began the process of Eurobonds, which eventually led to the creation of the European Economic Union, which led to the birth of the EU in general. Oh, yeah. Right? So, well, yeah, dude, that, that's that's the one thing I knew about because, um, you know, even it's uh, it's very hard to believe. But right after World War Two, I mean, right after World War Two, when Europe was, you know, Europeans were murdering each other. Uh, yeah. That was already when this whole EU thing started. And it started as mostly the sort of like um, tr trade 
deals and trade organizations. And that's really where this started with the plan to go uh, further with it. So yeah, the history goes back really to the end of World War II, which is uh, hard to believe. And is one of the reasons why the EU is kind of a slightly illegitimate because, um, you know, it never really told the populations that were voting to join it uh, the realities of what they were getting into. You know what I mean? It's kind of like if you sign a contract and the terms of the contract are just like scribbled in marker and hard to read, you know, it doesn't count. Uh, that's kind of the whole situation with the EU. But uh, so anyways, you're saying that is with these, they're, they're moving it. But the thing is, what do you mean moving it? What, how can just this, these uh, ones and zeros be moved somewhere? And how does that solve the problem? Well, I'll tell you how. So they're both holding it in Euroclear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Euroclear is in 96 countries. And so they're able to keep these, uh, these, these bolt hold U.S. treasuries off market, also mm-hmm. known as dark dollars. Then in order to create the negative feedback loops, which would occur because of dumped U.S. Treasury bonds, yeah. right? Because you just can't, you know, mysteriously take off bonds out of the uh, system without any sort of negative side effects. So what they would do is they would have various other swap facilities. They would have um, uh, uh, various uh, derivatives, uh, you know, very cleverly put together financial vehicles in order to create or or take up the slack for the missing, quote unquote, dark dollars or the the, Mm -hmm. the U.S. treasuries that have been taken off. Now, you know, they have enough financial gimmickry. And one of the one of the ways of 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 of. laundering the uh, dump dollars is, look, man, there's a reason why we have a 35,000-point Dow heading to 40,000. There's a reason why. And a lot of that inflation and a lot Mm -hmm. of the negative feedback loops that are occurring from these taking down dark dollars is being rammed and pigeonholed and shoved into the U.S. stock market with 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 the equity exchange. I mean, there's a point like, yeah, yeah, your st- your your central bank is stimulating, but you got to understand when this whole entire process began. Like, look, look at where the stock market was in 2008. We haven't yeah. exponentially grown in wealth since the financial collapse of 2008. In no. fact, we've been pretty much declining since the financial collapse of 2008. And what was the Dow at? Fourteen thousand points, yeah. right? And so when the Dow's at 14,000 points, and I remember when the Dow's at 15,000, I put out the call out there saying that the Dow's going to go to 29,000. People thought I was crazy. Mm-hmm. And boom, we hit it. Dow 29,000. And then I said Dow 30,000. We hit Dow 30,000. I'm like, Dow 35,000. We hit Dow 35,000. I'm like, Dow 40,000. Well, we're going to hit Dow 40,000. Reason being is we're the dollar is not going to die uh, on a crash. It's going to die in a, in a terminology that I, I coined years ago called monetary hypoxia it's going to go up higher and higher and higher in value and then die of strangulation and hypoxia occurs when the body runs out of oxygen there's just simply no more red blood cells that could carry oxygen within the body Mm -hmm. monetary hypoxia is when there's no more liquidity liquidity due to a solvency crisis that is happening in the banking sector and that is exactly where we are so you see all these crazy high numbers the u.s dollar index is through the roof the you know, uh, uh, the, the stock market is through the roof. Everything is going sky high. But yet the physical economy is dying a death of a thousand cuts. So no. this is what's happening, you know, within the body politic, within the economic system 
and this is how they're getting away with it. But they can only get away with it for so long because right now the system is buckling. I mean, there's so much financial engineering that has gone into the system from credit default swaps to uh, collateralized loan, ob- you know, collateralized debt obligations to uh, inter- interest rate swaps. All sorts of financial chicanery is happening with derivatives, uh, with, uh, with, with, with mortgage-backed securities, with this, that, and the other. Yeah. Everybody's in on the take, and their whole goal is to keep the circus tent afloat. Even though there's a massive hole in the circus tent, the damn thing is collapsing. Their idea is to inflate it with as much hot air as possible, keep the thing going until these rats who are controlling uh, this financial system is able to escape from the ship and escape the the drowning or the deluge of hyperinflation. Well, well, what does that escape uh, then then look like? So let's just say well, you and I were to sit around on YouTube and watch some uh, nice uh, conspiracy theory videos. We would watch this, the, the some video about you know the uh, guilds from Venice. They uh, eventually moved through France, and when uh, Napoleon lost, they went into uh, England and uh, the Netherlands and uh, invented the whole concept of printing. Uh, you know, fiat currency, and then they went over to the new uh, America. You know, we're getting into you know uh, Illuminati and uh, Templars and all this kind of stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, is it part of? Is it so? Is this like some sort of thing where they have to physically migrate no. somewhere? No, no, like, no. This, this time, this time, the rats don't want to escape the Titanic in the sense of they want to go to another geographic place in the world. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. This time, their whole goal is to sell us on the idea of deindustrialization. Their whole goal is to sell us on this idea of a green new deal in order mm-hmm. to remake the economy under their image, which is more speculation, which is more uh-huh. control and more tyrannical. This and is, is, it a way to, is it a way to sort of normalize poverty? Yes, okay. absolutely. This is what poverty is going to be a virtue. This is like this is why they're saying that oh, hyperinflation it only affects the rich. This is going to benefit the poor and the middle class. This is why they're yeah. saying that. Oh, yeah, you know, uh, carbon credits are good. Oh, mm-hmm. we, we need a uh, deindustrialization. We don't need industry. We we need all we need is solar panels and windmills, and we all need to live yeah. in green homes, right? And and yeah. what what this is? We need to eliminate carbon. This they is say that they ma- say that, but also at the same time, remember they always brutally regulate all that stuff. Yeah, because well, if exactly. they actually just told people we need to, we're going to do this whole green homes things, but deregulated everything and let people live the way they wanted to, well, that's that's just never good enough. No, exactly. No, they would never do that. What they want to do mm-hmm. is this: they want to return to a what I'm calling a neo feudalism, right? Mm-hmm. They want to go back to a feudalistic system. I mean, th- think what happened. That was. The, if these crazy Malthusians, if these nutjob globalists were to point to a time in human existence that they felt was the Gilded Age, they will all point to the Dark Ages. Mm-hmm. Why, why the Dark Ages? Well, the Dark Ages was a time where they had total control. They were the lords. We were the serfs. Yeah. And they would love to return to that. And the only well, thing that changed during that time... That ended uh, uh, feudalism was the uh, the uh, the bubonic plague, the yeah. Black Death, because at that point the the, the lords everybody was dropping dead, you know, serfs and lords, and any lords that wanted a serf to work his land, the serfs were like go up yours, you, you you pay me, you want me to work your land? Everybody's dying, there's nobody out here, supply and demand, bitch, pay up. Yeah, 
And that's what well, that's it what really reshook the pot. Any, if anywhere, uh, the Black Death really reshook the pot in England yeah. uh, more than anywhere. Uh, for example, the Black Death really didn't affect Russia particularly, so Russia kind of remained the same. However, I like to um, V. Now we kind of have a point where we start to disagree a little bit. So this sure. is where things will get fun. Um, because with medieval times, uh, I don't doubt that they the elites like the idea of medieval times based on their perspective. But one thing that I, we have to not remember is that uh, if you you know listen to a lot of historians, um, it's really the Victorian era when people started to write about medieval times where they created a lot of the um, myths about, you know, throwing people in these iron maidens and all these different forms of mm -hmm. torture that they didn't actually use and how awful life was. Why did they do that? Because they were sort of the early liberals and they wanted to promote their liberalism. And uh, all the monarchies of Europe were associated with the past and they started wanting to demonize them. So first off, uh, medieval times are a bit more demonized. But one of the key aspects of a um, medieval uh, uh, society of this sort of serfdom is that in a lot of ways, it was a way in which you have a society where uh, everyone is supposed to sort of look out after each other. You sort of have this interlocking web of responsibilities because mm -hmm. uh, in a lot of ways, a medieval system would sort of justify that like, well, the Lord protects the peasants, but then the peasants work for him. Of course, there were forms of exploitation, like stupid stuff, like they'd make the peasants uh, only mill their grain at the Lord's mill so he could make a penny off of every uh, pound or whatever. Uh, but in general, um, a medieval system uh, could be not that evil. Uh, in fact, it could actually be something that a lot of people would want because uh, uh, in a lot of ways uh, with uh, this inter-responsibility uh, between people, uh, the individual actually had a lot of responsibility and actually kind of a lot of freedom in, in the medieval world on, on some levels because no one really cared what you did. <laughs> so mm -hmm. uh, it's maybe not, not so bad, but I, I can see what you're saying about them. They want something where... Uh, they definitely want to make sure that you are so poor that you can't yeah. do anything. Correct, and it's a techno feudalism, like the, 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 this technological mm. tyranny that's going to be governing every aspect of you, where you can't work. You know, you need the, to have the right uh, chip, the right uh, paperwork, the right COVID pass in yeah. order in order for you to you know go to go to work, go to travel, go buy food for your family. All these things. I mean, that's a that's a tyrant's what dreams. So that's what they're hoping I, to do. I'd like to point out that it would actually be worse than medieval times on certain levels because yes. number one, uh, where we're going to right now, uh, you know, your children uh, in the West, uh, boy, they don't seem to be yours anymore. In medieval times, they were yours. You were, yeah. uh, you know, the father was responsible for the kids. He was also responsible for his wife because uh, women were sort of actually kept the status of sort of being eternal children. That's another topic. Uh, but, uh, so on that level, uh, medieval people are more free than we are now. And this whole thing that. about forcing everyone where we're going to be eating, who the hell knows what kind of fake meat and all that stuff. So even the, sort of, eat um, dingiest, yeah, even the dingiest of poorest medieval peasants may actually have a start to have a better diet than we do in the 21st century eventually, which is insane. It is insane and completely unnecessary. Yeah. So I just want to also show how uh, medieval times could actually be better than where we're going. I know. Is that sad? It, it, it is yeah. absolutely crazy. And because yeah. this whole entire system, this is what the West wants to do. Is it going to work? I don't think it's going to work. I think there's a lot of pushback that they're getting. And I don't know what's going to happen at the end of this whole entire thing. I think there's going to be more balkanized countries within the Western uh, sphere of influence than anything else. And I think uh, seeing all this, you have the Russian Central Bank that um, they they want to make you know they, they they're you know 
showing some interest here, uh, Tim, and maybe you can comment on this on on digital currencies. What's yeah. Russia's attitude right now to digital currencies and to other alternative alt dollar type uh, systems? Well, I, 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 when I saw this this news that you brought up, and I definitely want to talk to you about it because again, you're someone who really could predict where this is going to go. Well, to, to be honest, I was shocked. Uh, I try, I'm someone where I'm not a very emotional person. I don't ever really feel shocked, but this was one where I was like, what? How could this happen? So apparently the Russian central bank, which has the same sort of character as the American central bank of being very unclear. Well, in America, it's a private central bank. We all know it in Russia. The constitution is very unclear about its nature. Um, sort of says one thing, one uh, in one paragraph, another thing in another paragraph. So uh, the thing is, they want to make their own sort of national digital ruble, which is essentially going to work like crypto, which if it wasn't coming from the Russian central bank, which always seems to make questionable decisions, uh, decisions that uh, fly in the face of what a lot of more uh, patriotic economic experts would want, you know, otherwise I'd feel pretty good about it. And of course, remember how... um, I always bring this up. You know, the expression punk's not dead is on a lot of t-shirts. Well, why do they always write punk's not dead on t-shirts? Because punk is dead. Okay. And I think that this, they had this moment where the central bank was like the, the major banks in Russia shouldn't worry because just because the digital ruble eliminates the need for any form of banking, that doesn't mean that those banks will go away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the first thing they said. I was like, wow, that's, um, uh, that's uh, we're entering uh, some sort of like a brave new world here because they put this out that if every ruble has the um is part of the, you know the digital ledger and the whole uh, blockchain thing right then that means that essentially you don't really need the uh, institute of a bank to put your money anywhere now the central bank says well it'll be easy because at any moment you could essentially shift your digital ruble from any bank to any bank you know to pay back a loan or whatever. But again, it sort of begs the question, like, then what's the point? I mean, the, I guess then banking really all it'll be is essentially loan giving. Um, there won't really be much in terms of having like a bank account anymore. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, also, yeah. the banks in Russia, um, it's probably surprising to some people, but uh, like digital payments and uh, like money transferring through, you know, uh, apps on your telephone is huge here. Yeah. And that would really hurt the banks because that's one of their key functions in Russian society. Uh, but the thing the central bank is offering would essentially kill that too. Yep, exactly. And they're they're such morons that all they do is again they all they do is is forecast into a vacuum, not realizing the ramifications of any of the decisions that they would you know make. Unbelievable, yeah. man. Unbelievable. Well, dude, the thing is, again, why I want to talk to you is, I don't know. Would you? Do you think that this this would be good for people or bad for people? Because remember, you know, Sparebank, uh, the main bank in Russia, I should say, it's the most popular one by far, the biggest one by far. Well, they're uh, the leader of it. He's either a hardcore globalist or he's done a very good job of presenting himself as a hardcore globalist. So. You think that, you know, every day or every time I get my salary uh, or every time I make a bunch of money transfers or I buy whatever uh, with my card, which does give free Burger King. So at least for the globalists, <laughs> I get free Burger King. There you go. Uh, the, 
<laughs> but besides that, it's probably you know, better than the Burger King we have here back at home. They probably use like real beef and stuff over there. Well, right? yeah, the, the standards are different. I, I have to say, kind of like the fast food here a little better. But anyways, yeah. Um, <laughs> so the, so uh, with my, although the Burger King is enticing, uh, you know, in some ways you know, we're all in Russia. We're all, almost all of us are supporting this with this, you know, major network. So maybe this is actually going to be very freeing because it'll eliminate this type of person. But then again, the people who are offering it are kind of globalists also. So do you think that this is the right way to go, V? Is this just like is this like the 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 dream of all the crypto community to have a country say we're going crypto or is this like a perversion of that dream? I I think uh man the crypto community right now is kind of convoluted. You got people who who are just these wackadoo yuppies that don't understand uh geopolitics whatsoever and don't understand the nefarious evil of na- of, of certain um, certain politicians and bureaucrats and right. they think it's a great idea to partner with traditional banks and partner with traditional finance to get this done any sort of partnership that entails or has to do with a centralized um, financial system, is never a good thing. No. I think uh, if a centralized financial system is going to get involved, like, oh, case in point, there are people that are involved in cryptographic currencies where um, a certain portion or the largest amount of crypto is held under the uh, control of the founders of that cryptocurrency. And they'll say, well, we're, we're going to be the guardians of this crypto to make sure that uh, we have X yeah. amount of crypto in play and whatnot. And to me, that makes no sense because it's the same as a traditional finance, okay? That is centralized in control. The smartest thing that any central, if, if a country says, hey, you want, you want to know something, we want to embrace crypto, but we want to do it the right way, there's a technology called smart contracts. And smart contracts would set up protocols where... Let's say you know you have a backing or a reserve pool of this X amount or the, of this crypto that people are utilizing, and it could even be a you know a central bank backed sovereign crypto could work, but it cannot be in the control of the central banker. It has yeah. to be on the blockchain. The supply or the reserve supply of of the coin that the central bank is utilizing has to be in a wallet that has an executable smart contract that operates on its own mm-hmm. without being capricious as to who uh, the banker is or what his political or economic proclivities are. Then it would work. But I don't see anybody developing that technology. And if I ever get over to Russia, I'd love to talk to some banking people because this, this is it's not difficult to do. And then no. all the banks have to do at that point is just become conduits. This is the whole well, thing. There's so well, much listen, money. Man, you dude, if you want to come here. over here, get get your visa going. We'll we'll have a good time. You know, Brother, uh, you I, I'm, I'm coming. Wait, wait till wait till like springtime. I will be there. I got all I right. have to meet up with you. I'm, I got to meet up with a whole, whole bunch of guys uh, that I'm that, yeah. that I want to meet up with in, in Russia. Now we're you awesome. and I. We're go, definitely stay at the St. Regis Hotel. Awesome sauna. We'll go in the pool. Let's have drinks. It. It'll be amazing. So done. But. <laughs> Anyways, I, I don't mean to uh, usurp your program, but uh, someone uh, put a question at the bottom that appeared at the bottom of the screen that I wanted to answer to, but I kind of needed a little uh, pause there. He basically wanted to bring up the fact that uh, now everyone who's contributed to the Strategic Culture Foundation uh, could face threats from uh, massive fines uh, from, yeah. said, from the Fed. Yeah. 
Well, so what is that uh, currently? It's kind of like you know the FARA uh, regulations. Yeah, Joseph um, Farah. It's sort of like that. So it's anyone, regardless of their uh, citizenship, on the territory of the United States. So U.S. based is the terminology. So for now, because I file my taxes here and I live here, uh, I uh, am uh, exempt from that for now. Uh, when they eventually come for me, I don't know what I'm going to do because uh, I'm a father of a few kids, yeah. and uh, you know. That'll make life harder, and it'll definitely be harder because, uh, you know, uh, V, there's not that many, um, I don't know if the think tank is the proper word, but extremely open-minded intellectual organizations that I could contribute to. So it's not exactly like I could just, you know, you know, if you work at McDonald's, you can go work at Burger King or Wendy's or Chipotle or whatever. This isn't right. the same thing. So right. uh, my life will get pretty hard if they take it to the next level, but for now uh it's okay however next time i go to the united states i will not be able to answer any calls or any messages or anything from russia okay i'll land turn off my phone and i'll when come back in like a month and then turn my phone back on after i get off the plane in russia yeah three or four thirty back yeah Yeah. (laughs) i'm just very thankful that so far i'm not i haven't been affected by that but uh i have heard many stories of people who are connected to russia for various different reasons getting a knock on the door from the fbi uh, not just the strategic culture stuff but uh, over the years so unfortunately this uh silliness translates into actually people you know getting um uh, i don't know what to call it i don't want to say intimidated per se Maybe it's sort of like light intimidation because it's not like I've never heard of anyone having the FBI come up to them and just shoot them or bash them in the face. But it's a kind of intimidation factor of having, you know, guys in these fancy uh, uh, dark blue jackets with the FBI letters come up to you and say, you know, what are you up to? What are you doing? Nah, 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 nah. You know, so so far it's uh, civil, uh, but uh, tomorrow's a new day. Absolutely. I'd also like to note that the opposite doesn't really happen here very much. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know. Unreal. All right, uh, man. The, the Red Pill community is obsessed, Tim. They're obsessed with enjoying the decline of the West and perhaps moving abroad. Uh, yeah. This is another great thing that we could discuss because, you know, there are people that are sick of the moral depravity, the absolute destruction of culture that we're experiencing here in the West. What are your takes, man? Are, are you are you getting a lot well, more uh, pulsations in the in the web in terms of people that are showing a keen interest? To, hey, you know what? Maybe I want to move to Russia. Hey, you know what? Maybe I want to move oh my to God, Croatia dude, or dude. something. <laughs> dude, yes. Yeah. Uh, in fact, that's why uh, I guess it's always a little bad to, to to talk about things before they've happened. But one thing I'm trying to do, and I'm very close to doing, is okay. So with between myself, there's myself here. And a man, his name is uh, Father Joseph Gleason. Yes. He is a, an American-born, so, you know, English-speaking, Eastern Orthodox priest um, yep. from Texas. God dang, Texas. Uh, and uh, so he kind of moved out here, too. And our uh, sort of world of, um, you know, me writing about politics and doing a lot of, like, you know, tourism ve- uh, media and all that stuff, and his world of being this sort of very prominent um, religious figure, um, we kind of met up, uh, this was what, like two years ago. And when we were talking, we really got into this deep conversation about how people just keep constantly asking us about moving to Russia. You know, who's serious, who's not, we don't know. But we decided that we wanted to create this like community where people could come from English-speaking countries 
and uh basically sort of like you know how like in um like chinatown like a lot of people would come to you know there's actually a few chinatowns in america brighton beach let's yeah. uh, for those who don't know brighton beach is like the most russianness part of Brooklyn, new york baby yeah so like <laughs> all the all the people from the former soviet union if they're gonna go to america they sort of went through brighton beach to sort of like you know almost like ironically brighton beach was kind of like a beachhead immigration from the former ussr yeah uh and so that's what i kind of wanted want to do and um so I started to talk to people I know who are sort of in the government, some of the people I know who are kind of rich, and uh, see if they wanted to maybe, you know, do something about building this village. And it looks like it is going to happen. And yes. Again, um, yeah, it looks like it probably, especially up north, because uh, remember, Father uh, Gleason, he lives uh, to the state up the, by Yaroslavl. Well, the, the, the city is called... Um, Rastov Viliki, which I guess I could find on a map for you or something. But anyways, I'm talking. We'll, we'll do that later. But it's called Rastov Viliki, and uh, it's going to be around there. But of course, uh, up there, the, the thing is, is that because the land there is real cheap because no one wants to live up there. It's, you know, it's like Alaska. So uh, the government's willing to kind of pretty much just give away the land, which is awesome. Uh, and so a lot of people who are more uh, off the grid, uh, homesteader kind of types or are yeah. maybe the more super super religious faction are kind of going up to where he is whereas i'm going to try to um uh, uh initially wanted to, we want to do one village and sort of all live there together but it turns out that uh, we have the opportunity to sort of do two and uh, the other one is going to be relatively kind of sort of near uh, my uh, houses they're multiplying uh in the uh, moscow region to the south and that's going to have a bit more city access it is really isolated though I mean, the place we have for the moment, which is in the process of maybe uh, being transferred over to me, uh, it is very remote. But at the same time, if you drive a car 30 minutes, you can get on a train hour and a half and you're to the border of Moscow. So oh, wow. it's, it's 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 definitely it's not quite the off the grid homestead experience that maybe some people would like. But uh, yeah, so this is dude. This I'm is more of a cosmopolitan, Tim. I prefer like Moscow or Krasnodar or, or St. Pete's or something. <laughs> well, Krasnodar, that's uh, that's for the ladies, man, because uh, that's uh, there's a lot of a uh, uh, lot of much more hot weather and uh, hot ladies there. So that's that, that's that's where you want to be. I'm a happy but I'll tell you what, um, if these if this project actually you know works, which uh, yeah. at least the northern one certainly will, because that seems to have all been worked out relatively quickly. Um, I think it's going to be a real uh, beacon of uh, hope and uh, change, and we'll, we'll we'll see what we can do. And uh, yeah. Yeah, so that's something where, because, um, uh, dude, um, you you'd probably have talked to a lot of people talk about politics. Yeah, and there's a problem. People who talk about politics and geopolitics, especially, uh, fall into the trap of um, not doing shit. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so with this thing, when I talked to and met this this guy, I was like, oh my god, there's I, someone else having this experience. It's funny. Like I, I met a guy one time who who was uh, who would always talk about economic collapses and the economics and this that and the other. And the guy's uh, into debt to his eyeballs, and he lives in his apartment. He's like in the worst fun. I'm like, so you're like the shoemaker. You make the shoes, but you don't wear them yourselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I can kind of see that. And that's why one thing is, uh, you know, we have to take a look in the mirror and reduce our hypocrisy level. Yeah. Because uh, I, I've bashed on, like, kind of liberal-like people all the time because, you know, they always say, we, we want, you know, this, that, and the other. And then they never actually um, do it. Or, for example, it's like, we, we believe in the freedom and the sanctity of the individual. 
you've got to wear a mask. Oh, everyone has to wear masks. We've all got to get vaccinated. The same liberals, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, so with this, it's just sort of my attempt to um, try to use a little bit of my own fame, the fame of Father Gleason, um, and some of my connections to start this really um, amazing uh, project where we're going to have at least two communities in Russia, which, you know, if they succeed, we can do three, we can do four. Uh, so, yeah, I guess if anyone would really want to participate in that, um, and, uh, the one caveat is, uh, officially you should be Orthodox Christian. Uh, I just ask you to not be satanic <laughs> um, for the Southern village. Okay. Satanists so need not apply, please. Yeah. So yeah, yeah no, no worship. Of, yeah. If no worship of evil. New York or LA. Yeah. Uh, cause basically everyone had to sign, um, a promissory letter that, um, the land they're given, they'll do something with it within five years. And that they won't take any sort of like action against the beliefs of the Russian Orthodox Church, which is, again, it's kind of those things it's hard to do. It's like how uh, Russians are like, Tim, aren't you afraid of being accused of treason in America? Well, treason in America is defined as directly fighting like as a soldier against yeah. America, which will never happen. Uh, and or trying to uh, take away the constitutional rights of Americans. Right. I don't want to do that. I have I could never do that. It's right. how. Yeah. Only these uh, chuckleheads in Washington they can do it. Yes. <laughs> I can't do anything. They commit treason every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're uh, they're they're making a very sweet treason pie over the last few decades. So, but but anyways, uh, so again, is is basically don't take any direct actions against the church is also part of the deal with um the land. But again, how. <laughs> Like, you're not going to come here and become, like, an abortion activist or something, you know? So I, I that's kind of a moot point. But anyways, that's the deal. And, uh, yeah, I really hope these, the this uh, project works. But like I said, up north, some people have already arrived, dude. Some people are hardcore enough that this project is not <laughs> it is not signed, sealed, and delivered yet. And there are some people who came anyways. Uh, that's called being hardcore, you know? Because uh, I came here with 200 bucks in my pocket. So I know you, you have to be real, real serious to, to come here. And so this is also the project to maybe make people who are more medium core, uh, make uh, the uh, move here uh, more uh, uh, reliable or something, or, or who knows, you know, I've talked to a couple of Russian people. They're like, Oh my God, you're going to create, you're going to create like a Silicon Valley, Silicon Valley. Like what, no. what kind of people do you think are coming here? They're not programmers, but whatever. <laughs> So yeah, guys, like, uh, you, got, you got Texas Tom Payne in the live chat. He said uh, he would love to come to uh, Russia and start a Texas barbecue joint. That would that would go over well. Oh, yeah. Dude, dude, dude. We're definitely, at least in the southern village, we're making sure that um, uh, one of the main key holdups with all this is actually the what they, you know, zoning. Yeah. And uh, we definitely want to make sure that we have to get the land either rezoned or special permissions. But we definitely want to have things be commercial because, dude, um, one thing that's really frustrating um, is you, uh, from what I understand, you are uh, now with CJ both in the Midwest, correct? Correct. Now, uh, I've, there's a lot of these urbanists who make videos on the Internet and they talk about how awful, like, you know. Uh, living in uh, residential zoned areas are in America. And I can kind of see their points. I think just the one problem is that we don't give people enough like freedom to do what they want in, in residential zoning. Like you can't just like kind of like start up a little business or like put a little bar there. And so with this community, at least in the Southern one, I'll guarantee you that by the side of the road, you want to build a bar, you want to build some little store, you want to do, do it. You know, it's that kind of freedom uh, that is, I think, is very important. So, uh, yeah, 
And uh, CJ would, yeah, would open it, up a, a tequila joint and a taqueria. Right yeah, there. I mean, there's, oh. there's, yeah, t- t- you know, Tim, you're right. In in every major subdivision, uh, there, there are covenants that are established, right? And yeah, and the idea around those covenants is to protect property value. You know, you don't want somebody starting to have cattle next to your house or yeah. raising, you know, chickens or whatever that could be. But however, you know how it is. The moment that you give people a little bit of authority, hence covid what happens you'll get the authority authoritarians that take over and they're like well we don't want this color on your mailbox we don't want this so so that yeah. does truly exist in in subdivision and, and covenant so yeah um I, I totally get that one future conversation that i think that we do need to have that i think is the, is the utmost importance is talking about the future re- leadership of russia and what does a post putin um look like because i'm not sure who he's grooming or if there is a process in place of once Mm -hmm. putin vacates russia because he's established so much and usually there's a vacuum in leadership um in a lot of these countries so i'm I'm very interested to see not just we could talk about that but one thing friends is it's going to be a little bit of a dark day because as it stands right now uh russian history would show that uh the wake following a great leader Tends to be very, very deep. Mm. Yeah, we saw that with uh, with uh, uh, Medvedev, Dmitry Medvedev, when he took over, and then Putin yeah. had to step back in. So yeah, we'll see. I mean, right now there's really, a, uh, he yeah. disappointed, man. He he really disappointed. But again, if you want to have that, would be like a whole separate episode. We can do that. Oh, yeah, we're at the hour mark. Well, I mean, I know in the yeah. U.S. we have so much success because we went from Trump to Biden. So I mean, we we're paving the way for the the you, path to success. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm winning every day. Every day I go pump the gas. You know, it's because of a gas conglomerate that my, you know, my gas prices are heavy. And every time I go buy a piece of meat, it's because it's a meat conglomerate, not because of inflation. You know, that's what the, the, the White House press secretary, I don't know if you heard this, Tim, but the White House press secretary, Raggedy Ann, uh, a.k.a. Jen Psaki, said that the reason why meat prices are so high is because there's a meat conglomerate, <laughs> not because fuel prices and inflation is up. But wow, uh, that's that's new. I'm surprised I didn't hear about that because you know that uh, Saki woman, she's very popular in Russia. Why? She's like she's like super popular. I don't quite. I think it was during the Obama period. Uh, I think it's something about how she's kind of like cute yet ditzy. Uh, she's definitely probably one of the most popular people involved that's in American strange. politics. Raggedy so. Ann, good God. Yeah. Anyways, we'll save that for the for the next round. We'll save that ammo for the next round. Uh, Ooh, we'll get you back. Brisket man. and bourbon. Oh, we'll we'll see about that, guys. Uh, we don't have any cows yet. All right, <laughs> t- take care, friends. Talk Again, you folks, later. you can get uh, Tim over at uh, Tim Kirby Russia. Join his YouTube, Tim Kirby Russia, and check out his travel channel, which has all these cool tips mm-hmm. and tricks. Uh, about yeah, traveling and we just and released a video today, friends. New video finally up after like a month. So, yeah. new Go video about food in the Alpine Mountains, dude. It's a, it, it, he is the Anthony Bourdain of Russia. This guy, look at him, <laughs> dude. That looks look professionally produced. Look at that. Oh, dude, like, no, that's joke. all the cameraman. I'm not gonna lie, the, uh, we have some amazing cameramen. Uh, we're making cheese out here on our own. Uh, that turned out kind of good. There should be some disgusting stuff like some blood, sausage, and guts. Oh, I love blood sausage, yes. Though. There, there's the good the good stuff's in the video too. So oh, look yeah, at you, there, there. Look at that sausage slightly to the middle left. Ooh, that's full of hearts and kidneys and shit. Damn, I'm hungry now. <laughs> oh, hearts and kidneys. Hook me up, man. Is there any liver? Right. Organ meats. That's oh, Look at. how beautiful that is. That's wow. gorgeous, yeah. man. Wow. Like the Colorado yeah. Rockies or something like that. Yeah.
I live somewhere, somewhere out in Wyoming. Yeah, dude, That's I tell you what, man. Uh, even uh, it's because people sometimes tend to get trapped inside of Moscow. Even when you just drive over the border, all of a sudden you're on those highways and you start to see, you know, the, that uh, big sky country. That's even here, man. Oh, That's man. even around here. It's uh, it's everything's bigger in Russia. Screw wow. Texas. Jesus, <laughs> you're not kidding. What is that? It looks like a Swiss chalet over there. Oh, well, well I, I kind of missed it. Where oh, yeah, it? well, there's some, you know, skiing is, of course, popular here because of the snow, so there's probably mm, something look at like that. that. Is that cured meats, dried meats? Yeah, various ones. So, yeah. Sweet. Look at that. Awesome. Good, clean food, man. That's awesome. Yeah, we were we should have been uh, uh, Gordon Altaisk. Yeah, that's like the second need, time We I've need to put that Cleveland Brown sweatshirt, though. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's all browns all the time, baby. All uh, the time. <laughs> but actually, I'm trying, to update, I'm trying to update my look. I'm actually thinking that because I'm becoming an older silver fox gentleman, I might want to try to get some like maybe like a, a vest, some linen shirts, do a little bit of that sort of like, cowboy <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah. But uh, when I don't like when my beard isn't cut and I have like my hair starts to grow in, I was a dopey. Uh, so uh, I got to got to get to the barber shop here. That's it. Siege, Siege and I, along with uh, uh, Texas Tom Payne, we're moving to Russia. Tom's going to open up a Texas barbecue. Siege is going to open up a tequila bar with a taqueria. And I'll, wanna, I'll open up, like, I don't know, maybe a, a luxury watch shop right there. Well, door. hurry up, man. I'm going to run out of free land pretty soon. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How big how big of land are we talking about, Tim? Well, the southern village, I think, is going to work out to be some like 30 hectares or whatever. That's mm -hmm. that's what we were able to get. The northern one, because like I said, because demand is so low up there, I think it's going to be something titanic, like 800 hectares. Sure. Whatever wow. that is in acres. Hold on. Let's see. Hold on. Send me the paperwork. Uh, Let me know what I need you to sign up. Oh, hold on. Let's see. 800 hectares. Tears to acres, so that's the northern village might be one thousand nine hundred seventy-six, and the southern village is going to be something like seventy-four. So, so how much? Uh, yeah. So, uh, in terms of land per per person, if they want to purchase land and build it, was like an acre that each person gets like an acre or two or three. Work? Well, the thing is, is it's uh, for, for now, because uh, we didn't have to pay anything for the land. I'm uh, uh, it's a little bit of a, you know, philanthropic uh, project here. So, you know, it's not like I'm in, uh, it's not like um, multiply maybe by in the future, v, we can organize so something like this where it'll yeah, be a to. sort of luxury thing where we'll like buy it and sell it and make a ton of money. But so with this one, it's more first come first serve. You take it, you use it. You don't have to pay anything for it except for like back taxes, which is going to be like nothing. So. Nothing. It's a joke. Yeah. I love it. Tim Kirby, the All man, right. the myth, the icon self. Tim Kirby <laughs> holding it down in Russia. Thank you, Tim, for joining us, buddy. And again, right. folks, Tim Kirby Russia. Go to the YouTube channel, Tim Kirby Russia, and his travel channel, which is awesome. He's got a new video uploaded there. So go check it out. And with that being said, El Cuco, take it away.